This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Cunt Waffle. You know, after registering as a member of Hardcore Husky way back in June of 2013, Mr. Cunt Waffle has literally made 23,835 visits to our website while posting 21,710 times, but without making a single donation. But during the second half of last night's annihilation of Stanford, Cunt Waffle in a delirious drunken stupor, sent $150 to Hardcore Husky. Then around midnight, he PM'd the site's owner asking for a shout-out on today's podcast. Now, while that might sound shameful to most normal people, it is a uh, you know, normal course of business for, for posters at Hardcore Husky. So I hereby give Cunt Waffle his shout-out. Now, someone like Purple Bays might be sitting there going, Hey! I donated $1,000 back in early August. Where's my shout-out, you son of a bitch? But you know, it's always the problem child that gets the extra special attention. And so thank you, Cunt Waffle, for helping to keep our pirate ship afloat. And now on to today's show. Another one. Be the best. I'm out. I, you know, with Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. So guys, what do you think? 40 to 22, Joey, you said you, said you have an opening statement to make, so do you want to ascend to the podium? Yeah, I just want to first and foremost thank Pete Carroll for naming Geno Smith the starting quarterback of the Seahawks. Because now I know I don't have to give a single flying fuck about that stupid fucking team. And I can focus all my energy on my favorite team, my favorite topic, the fucking Huskies. And I am duking out like a motherfucker on this team. Uh, I, I, I hear a little bit of uh, negativity towards, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the failed drives that led to field goals, but. I, I think that that game last night was the best thing that could have happened to them uh, offensively. They had to battle for 40 points. I mean, they had to fucking battle for 40 points, and they still hung 40 on the big smirk. So that's well, my opening statement. That's what I got. I'm fucking Dugan, and I'm respect I'm your decision. Ready, respect my decision, please. <laughs> Well, I love it that it's, you know, the Huskies are up 30-7 to seven in the late third quarter or whatever, and, and a couple of people are bitching on the board. You know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> hey, the good kids are back. <laughs> it's yeah, like it didn't, take us, didn't take the Huskies long, to, Husky fans long to get back into the uh, – <laughs> to get our arrogance back or whatever. So, <laughs> so I, I went into the uh, – 
uh, we have a family lore story that I think sums up that energy and element of Husky football. And supposedly in 1991, when the Huskies beat Nebraska, Michael John was complaining that B. O. Bryant didn't get enough carries. <laughs> Everyone's like, we just beat Nebraska on the road. I'm like 15, and you're complaining about B. O. Bryant not getting enough carries. Like, yep, that's, that's the bar. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I think that, because, uh, you know, as I was saying on the boards in the two or three days leading up to the game, is that I felt like Washington was going to win, but I thought it was going to be difficult. Um, some of the struggles on offense that we did have, if you want to call it struggles when you score 40 points, um, you know, uh, they they manifested as I thought they would. However, I thought we would have a, more trouble running the ball, and we looked pretty good running the ball. And it wasn't even that uh, Hawaii Papa was, you know, doing a fantastic job running the ball because he's pretty much just a pedestrian running back. But the blocking was there, and the schemes were there, and um, the way that we were attacking uh, Stanford's interior was really uh, – what we weren't just going straight ahead, but we were going in angles, and I just in the middle of misdirections, and I just thought it was uh, just fantastic and very sophisticated and mature game plan, if that's the way to describe it. And um, and I and and you know, as as Ray Spannon was saying on the boards there, that you know, eight quarterback sacks can certainly mask a lot of sins in the secondary, and we were certainly uh, benefited by the fact that. Um, I'm forgetting the quarterback's name. McKee, for Stanford. Tanner McKee. Tanner McKee. Yes, you know, McKee's back there, and he's he's you know he's basically as mobile as Herman Munster, and it was just like <laughs> that really obviously helped us, you know. <laughs> and um, but you know this this week against uh, Thompson Robertson or Robinson Thompson, I can't remember what his last name is. Uh, you know, it, it's going to prove a challenge. We can talk about that later in the pod, of course, but. Um, anyway, so uh, I was I was thinking we would win by seven to ten points. We win by eighteen and um, lived to see another day. Is still an undefeated football squad. What, yeah, what's I, funny uh, about Her, Herman Munster is it, every time I think of Herman Munster, I I I just know that he was the judge on uh, uh, my cousin Vinny. So I, I don't think oh, I've ever oh, watched man, one single. That? I don't think I ever watched one single episode of the Munsters, but but I've seen my cousin I am old enough. several times. What is it you? I am old and I am old enough that it was on syndication uh, when I was you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and my sister and I uh, certainly watched a bunch of episodes. So did you say did you say lucky enough? <laughs> well, I say that in I say that in quotes, you know. It it would not hold up today, you know. <laughs> Just like Three's Company. Shit, my sister and I were the biggest fans of Three's Company and then I watched it a few years ago and I was like, Holy shit, this is bad. So Yeah, it's bad. Bad T V. <laughs> so, sorry, um, I cut, cut Wooly Doog off, sorry. No, no, uh yeah, no, I uh, I don't think I even had anything too super constructive to say. I mean, uh, for that, I mean, once you go down Munsters, you know, you you, you got to go full Munsters. Uh, and I, I remember <laughs> Munsters on syndication. I mean, so it's uh, I I I feel like I blankly watched a few episodes and didn't really find that find it that remarkable. 
unlike but had he oh but <laughs> unlike you know the, the the washington offense and uh you know pass rush uh which to me <laughs> Uh, the worst thing that happened for Washington all day had nothing to do with them. It took place in East Lansing, Michigan, uh, which made me a little bit more mm-hmm. nervous going into the more nervous going into the game. Uh, but obviously, I wasn't nervous once the game got started. Though, you know, I I, I don't know how good Stanford is. Oh, and I, I think I remember like we had talked on you know after the Kent State game where I was like I'm like if Kent State's quarterback wasn't super mobile he might have been sacked like eight times and I think that's what you found out is that you know with the way they attack on defense that if you don't have a mobile quarterback you're probably going to get sacked a lot though Stanford's offensive scheme is just I I don't get it and I don't get why anyone would still be running that in 2022 uh it's just so slow (laughs) I mean the quarterback isn't going to throw the ball until like three or four seconds it feels like and yeah, absolutely. And and the and the play we were. Um, I was texting with you guys. And I was texting with Rody. I was texting with uh, another friend of mine. Um, so I don't remember who I said this to, but the play calling by Stanford was just bizarre at times. Like like really oh, like almost John, John Donovan levels, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was. Uh, yeah. uh, it was yeah. I had texted you. I, I texted between the the three of us. That, there was one, uh, I think it was the draw on, it was a third and nine or something. It was, uh, kind of early in the fourth quarter. They were down, uh, they were down by the, uh, they were down by the dog pack. And, uh, yeah, somewhere down deep in their own territory. And he called a draw on like third and nine or something. I was like, I mean, it's just one of those, you're happy, you're happy, you know, cause they're calling that against your team, but you're, you're kind of going, Boy, I I probably could have been a little more creative than than you know a a draw to you know the shitty Gerhardt they had back there. So, yeah, I think it worked like once. Uh, I think they early in the game they did hit him like with like a third and eleven or something, and they ran a draw and it worked because they didn't see it coming, and then he kept doing it. Where it's like uh, that uh, you got that's kind of the thing you do one time and. Uh, I mean, the Huskies have been doing that front where they, like, put DTF uh, and the other DN and stuff, like, inside. And uh, someone was saying they had Lance Holtzclaw, like, six or 200 pounds or something, uh, in at D-tackle or something in one play. So maybe he was thinking he could keep catching that personnel. It was it was bizarre. And, and uh, by the way, in that one thread um... – Dougal's posted a few minutes ago asking if it was too late to come on in, and I told him to come on in, so he might be jumping in here any minute. But um, one one thought that I have, though, is we kind of step back and look at the big picture. I was thinking about this earlier today, is that we, we think about, you know, the three of us were pod, podcasting last year, and the very first podcast we did when the season started was, of course, the Montana game, and what a calamity that was of just epic proportions, right? And we couldn't even believe it. Yeah. But, you know, you think you think back, if last year's season basically goes the way that it did, except we beat Montana, that might have been enough to save Jimmy's job. <laughs> and then we yeah, wouldn't I mean, have yeah. DeBoer. Yeah. It was worth it. So, it, you could almost say that that was the you know the penance we had to pay in order to, you know, 
move to the next realm or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, um, because it's conceivable that you know that saves his job. Yeah, uh, sometimes you have to get to where they get. <laughs> you have to get to the darkest before you get to the light. He'd be five and seven. Yeah. Hey, Diggle. Five and seven with the same offensive output. It'd still be bad. Testing, testing. Yeah, yeah Diggles, we were just talking about how, um, you know, we think back just a year ago when we lost to Montana and how, you know, what a calamity that was of epic proportions. And then now you, you, you kind of think that if last year went pretty much the same way that it did, except that we beat Montana, Jimmy might Jimmy Lake might still be the coach, and then we wouldn't have DeBoer. Yeah, uh, how's it going, guys? Sorry for being a little late. I uh, was feeling feeling a little inspired to to jump on, um, <laughs> but yeah, if if uh, if if, uh, if Saint Ruperaki uh, doesn't get a sideline infraction or whatever the hell he did. Uh, you know, we might be in trouble. And I honestly, if you, when you think about the the fall of Jimmy Lake, uh, there was a lot that had to have gone right. Like him talking trash to Cristobal. Like we have to thank Cristobal uh, for, uh, you know, as well. Like the whole uh, academic prowess thing. And we had to, yeah. he basically pissed, he pissed off all the right people. And that <laughs> was the only way, because, I mean, think about it. We fired him, and he his overall record seven and six. And in the Pacific Northwest, firing a you know Peterson's guy at seven and six, it's like I'm surprised that it would have taken a miracle. If you had told me that that was possible, I would have said there's no way. So it was just a complete blessing of circumstances from the Montana loss, the just general like disconnect between the, the, the fan base and the team and then Jimmy Lake's just his own personal ego destroying him and, and really souring the uh, upper campus's idea of what he's about and, and then that little tit for tat he got in with Chris the ball gets his gets his shit pushed in and thank God for Rupert Rocky, right place, right time. Give that guy his NIL deal now. Well, Chris well we're gonna ball. do a GoFundMe at the end of the year. Chris <laughs> yeah. Ball yeah like basically made Chris Peterson quit. And he and he actually uh brags about that. He's John Canzano uh said on the radio like a month or two ago that uh Crystal Ball uh fucking brags that you know he basically forced Chris Peterson out. Which so. may or may not be true because I think Pete was already burning out and yeah. didn't I think you know you watched of, the board. I think it's part of the reason. It's part of the you reason because he's a fucking douchebag like him. You watch DeBoer on the sideline. He's having a good time, and he's into the game. And then you look, when you would watch Peterson, it was almost like he had a stick jammed into his ass, and he was not enjoying himself. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he yeah. was all tight. He was all tight ass, and the team started playing tight ass like him. Yeah. Pretty clearly yeah, after... Probably after 2018, well, the, I mean. Yeah, the the Rose Bowl was the big indication with Pete, right, how he wasn't having fun. Yeah. And I just – I think the pressure of the modern era, um, the recruiting and the NIL around the corner, you have to know that he, he was in on, on what was coming down the pipeline. And, and uh, I just think it was – enough was enough. It, it, for, his, for his style and his personality and what he was about. I mean, and he had always – I mean, not to go down the Peterson train, 
but he, he had always been <laughs> talking like more more like a like a philosophy or like he was always into like psychology books and about the the hu- you know human nature and and getting the most he was almost like Jordan Peterson you know he, he, like more than a football coach you know he was like why well, wait he was he's not that pun- articulate <laughs> <laughs> he's always pontificating about like what it means to be a man you know it's like it's like yes. he's just like you know just get a first down please uh, yeah so so I. I, I I think he he he's he served he he was he I still say we bag on Peterson or at least the board does way too much like he was still a great coach you know what I mean he didn't win the big one at Washington oh, no, 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 think, very good coach yeah. not great coach he would have won a, he would have won an NY six but he didn't you can't call somebody great if through. they don't yeah well he would have broken he ran out of time I, I, did he run out of time Diggles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you you dance enough, eventually you're gonna figure it out. But I mean, I mean that that one, that whole thing is played out. Not to go down that road, but uh, but but the but yeah, I think what we have going on right now is a, is a young staff. It, it just it worked out perfectly. Lake kind of door ass outing, and then uh, it's exciting to see what's possible with these new guys. Yeah, now, Joey, yesterday. If this is something you still want to talk about, because I think we were jokingly texting about it, but there was something, and I don't remember what it was, but there was something you wanted to take credit for, and then you also wanted to take the blame for something from the game. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Tanner McKee sucking, and then like literally three seconds later, he threw a touchdown. I was like, shit, <laughs> or or it was a big play or something, and I was like, shit. You were you were, you. Were, you were demanding credit for something on the on the podcast. Uh, Maybe he was yeah, predicting I, that we would dominate uh, McKee. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't remember, that's fine. <laughs> no, it was about it was about McKee. Uh, here, I pulled up the uh, I pulled up the text. Uh, Shaw looks. Shaw looks beleaguered. His team looks uninspired. Odd play calls. Uh, Cunt Waffle donated tonight. He was looking for a shout-out. <laughs> Shaw looks like he wants to leave. Okay, told you McKee was a shitty cunt, and I'll take my praise tomorrow evening. Thank you. And then as I text that, a big play. <laughs> yeah, they went for like 50 yards uh, down the left sideline. <laughs> Yeah, then you say uh, uh, touchdown was Joey's fault. We'll address this on tomorrow night's pod. And I said, I'll own it. (laughs) It was my fault. Okay. (laughs) Um, So my thought is, unless there's anything else that you guys want to talk about or any of the other games that were going on in the conference or nationwide that we can, uh, like I said, um, there's a lot of good questions uh, this week in, uh, on the boards, and so we can uh, jump to that. So is there anything else you guys want to uh, uh, address? Yeah, let's get to Oregon, questions. Washington State. Fuck everyone else. Let's get to the musky question. Okay, Go Dogs ST, and he also wants a shout-out, so he's just gotten one. Um if in a couple of years some team wants to throw the moon at DeBoer money-wise, can UW match it with donors? 
But da 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 And if he asks for an NIL program where UW at least tries to play the game, will AD and Upper Campus reevaluate their stance on it to keep him? So what do you guys think? I'm hijacking a drink truck tomorrow morning. If anybody <laughs> wants to uh, help me. <laughs> if anybody wants to help me, I'll be the wheel man. It'll be a white Ford Bronco. <laughs> Get some free pod for the podcast. Free pub for the podcast. I have a hard time ever seeing uh, UW's upper canvas, like, you know, not trying to do it the right way, or at least the perceived right way. But I, I do think that the new commissioner – uh, whatever that Russian gangster's name is, uh, I think the new commissioner <laughs> understands uh, that we need uh, money, we need d- better deals, more exposure, and you know, with with the potential defection of UCLA, we don't know if they're going to be able to do it or not. But essentially, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten, seeing the money that's thrown out there, and and knowing the amount of money that those programs can offer, not just head coaches but their staffs. You know, Alabama, it's it's not just the head coach. It's the, it's the support staff. It's the fact that there's like 150 people making six figs at Alabama, you know, all to do like specific things uh, to help the football program win, right? And, and you just don't get that on the West Coast because we don't have that money. Um, I think that with the new TV contract, however this shakes out, especially with the playoff being expanded, um, that, that UW does have the ability – um, being one of the top revenue uh, producing, uh, 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 you know, schools has the ability to keep up with the rest of the country. Um, if if, if uh, we get uh, a better a better uh, contract with the TV deals and uh, and just keep winning, I honestly think that we can keep a guy. We can we can keep the top the top dudes. Um, you know, maybe not saving, but but. but for 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 I think we can be a school that can offer ten mil a year in the not too you know distant future uh, once these contracts get restructured and once everything kind of kind of settles whether that means we go to the Big Ten or whether that means that we're the biggest dog in the Pac-12 however that's breaking down I think that UW has positioned itself which is also why it's so important that Boer is doing what he's doing um, has positioned itself to be the the major player in the West Coast um, next to USC. And, and Willie, um, I think the one thing that kind of bolsters uh, Dougal's comment from from just a second ago is that I think that Upper Campus would be more willing to go along with paying a lot of money, um, a high market value for DeBoer, partially because he's uh, seems like a very down to earth and humble type of guy. In addition to being an excellent football coach, and uh, would you think that that might factor into them being compliant with this? Yeah, I think is uh, I can't remember which one of you said. I mean, uh, UW is always going to have a hard time not doing you know whatever is perceived as the right uh, air quotes way to do things. And I feel like he's going to be able to fit. I think he's going to do a good job. He has so far being kind of a chameleon nature of being like a real you know kick-ass football coach and a guy who's willing to play the games, but he's also not Jimmy Lake or he's not an idiot or he's not Crystal Ball uh, or he's not Stark. He's not someone who's going to go out there and embarrass the school and be saying that I always have a bunch of dumb quotes. I think I think that's, that's going to work well where I, I'm, I'm sure if they had some, 
you know, flamboyant uh, coach or something who is always causing problems, you know, down the road, and then someone comes and offers them a bunch of money, it would be a lot easier for them to be like the higher-ups, to be like, well, you know, we've went to a couple of road bowls, he's made our money. Uh, what if we just let this guy go to, you know, Nebraska or uh, uh, Wisconsin or something? Uh, but I don't know. I, I I get the impression that he – I don't think he's like a Chris Peterson level where he's like – only going to leave for like a really, 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 really perfect situation when it really feels right. But I, I get, I feel like he won't leave unless it makes sense. Like I don't know if he's going to be a guy who, if he gets a good setup here, immediately just jumps at you know the first, you know, slightly better offer he gets. Though I mean, you also have to think if, even if it is Nebraska a year from now. Uh, when you're a guy who's from where he's from, does he go and does that make sense? That's that's a little bit scary. I don't think I don't think it's, it's a but, good and bad problem. Yeah. You know, one thing though that uh, and I was thinking about this the other day is that his his the trajectory of his career is actually quite unique uh, in a sense because he was a head coach over a decade ago for several years, then became a coordinator and. You don't see him jumping around like Sark or something where uh, each new position is a stepping stone to something greater or whatever. He was, you know, he was at Indiana, you know, and then he, go, yeah. he goes to Fresno. And then obviously when the opportunity from to go from Fresno to Seattle, um, you know, he obviously took that. But, it, you know, it's uh, he, he was willing to go back down and be a coordinator for like another 13, no, excuse me, it's probably about another 10 years before he reascended yeah. to a head coaching position. So I think it was yeah. like a lateral move, yeah. you know, salary wise. Oh, know, yes. He was like but, a head coach. She was like a head coach at like division three. You know, it was like what Sioux Falls has like his alma mater or whatever. Right. So, so then he goes like, he goes to like FCS level and, and is like a coordinator. And then, you know, does that for a year or two, and then he goes to like being a receivers coach somewhere. Like, like I know yeah. he went to like what? Eastern Michigan at one point, and and uh, then then went into Indiana, and you know, kind of bumped around there. But but I guess the sense though that he, he if he's he happy said, somewhere and his family's happy somewhere, then you know, it might bode it might bode well. He said he doesn't, you know, he wants, he's not going to move for a while. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how much you, you know, how much you believe. He seems a lot more believable than, you know, someone like Sark who, you know, uh, once somewhat famously said, you know, hey, me and me and Lane Kiffin were sitting on a bus one time and we were discussing the number one programs in the on the West Coast. And I had Washington number one and USC number two, and he had it vice versa. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's cool, man, but I know you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and DeBoer's definitely ambitious. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You can see that his his work ethic and how he has progressed throughout his career. I know he, he's, he's on a mission. I just think that, you know, we're a little, since, you know, Sark left, uh, you know, it seems like, oh, someone would want to jump away from us immediately. But I think it, we're more of a destination spot than, like, an Oregon. You know, Oregon can't keep anybody. Um, and I also do think that coaches, it's a great market to be a coach right now because coaches are, you know, look, Mel Tucker goes 11-2, gets $10 million a year, no buyout or, or huge buyout, I should say. 
And now it's like that he's, oh, shit, he can't even coach. And he was at Colorado for, like, half a whisper. And and so, you know, these guys are bouncing around um, all over the place. I think that if if we have it structured right, where, where Seattle and UW – really put, plants the flag as, as with that money backing and, and with the winning that can come with this place. Um, there's no reason this shouldn't be a, a destination. Like, yeah, maybe a SC calls, but like you said, he's a South Dakota guy. There's no really big regional school there outside of Nebraska. Um, and, and who is better set to succeed in the future? You know, a team like, like Washington on the West Coast is going to dominate either the Pac-12 or be a player in the Big Ten, or a team like Nebraska where, I mean, there's not a lot going on there. And those days of, of stockpiling, you know, the corn-fed uh, farm boys are just, it's, it's over. So um, I just think that, that it's actually a, a diamond in the rough to some extent, and, and the coaches know that. Uh, and, and hopefully, I mean, again, we're all just Dugan. Like every, every fan base is like, our coach would never leave. <laughs> and then, yeah. like, you know, and, and, and then they're gone, uh, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, Indiana throws 15 mil at him and he's like, adios, you know, <laughs> Hoosiers it is, you know, so it's like, you know, but, but, but uh, at least for what I think is going on and, um, you know, uh, I think that we're, we're in a good spot. The big fear would be like, he goes on a tear this year and next year, let's say Penix stays. I don't know if he's going to stay or not. Um, but let's say Penix stays for whatever godforsaken reason, and we just have a two-year just crush it, win the Pac-12 twice, or you know, two NY6s, maybe a playoff. That might be where somebody that's big time, like an Auburn or you know, some big SEC school with real, real deep pockets and tradition might come after him, and he might look at it like, a, okay, my quarterback is going to go. The next man up may not be at that level. Now's the time to strike. I don't know if he's that guy or not, but that's where I would see him making that move if he's never going to make it. Um, but if we can avoid that, hopefully, I mean, and if that happens, then good. We're, we're set up, and we just had two awesome seasons, and hopefully uh, our, hands, our hands are in Jen Cohen's uh, once again, you know. Uh, <laughs> and now the Justin Wilcox rumors resurface. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, his daughter just committed to play softball, right, at UW today. Yep. yep. Really? Well played, Heather Tarr. Heather oh, Tarr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. We need to build a statue to Heather Tarr. Yeah, that could uh, that could be a nice tip for, you know, helping keep him for four to five years, you know. Yeah, I mean, if uh, – yeah, I saw that on Twitter this morning. Uh, so that's uh, that could be a – that could be a, a super ace in the hole right there. So statues of uh, what do we got? Pat Hayden, Rupert Rocky, and Heather Tarr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And Don James and Jim Owens. <laughs> yeah. Foot, foot, footnotes compared to the the big three, you know. <laughs> okay, Dukeville asks a question and makes a comment. I'm actually going to skip the question. Um, because he's asking if we think that uh, if the team might be a paper tiger, and I think all uh, four of us would say absolutely not. But he says it's hard to see another loss on the schedule with a notable exception for our trip to Austin. I think we could beat Oregon with what we have. Um, we get Perryman back, you know. Oh, yeah. um, so, um, you know, it is hard to see another loss on the schedule, but uh, it's there. We're not going to go undefeated, you know, but um, – but uh, what we're seeing with our eyes is uh it's real. It's not it's not smoke and mirrors. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you always got to be. You got to be careful. You know, we are four zero. Michigan State looks like shit. Stanford might be terrible, and then you know, FCS and and then the powerful Kent State. But uh, but I, I think that the concepts we're seeing and how open everyone is with the offense and and the improvement week to week shows that there's more going on here. Um, I'm not too worried about. I think we'll be competitive in every game, probably favored in every game. Um, and and Except USC, they, if we play them. Yeah, and that's not even a guarantee. Uh, USC, if anything, is a Piper Tiger is USC. We're sort of a mini version with that. With USC has, I think, 14 turnovers. Um, like they forced turnovers, and we forced a fuck ton. We had three last night. I know Asa had two picks in Kent State, and you fill in the rest. But I mean, so we're our defense is giving up yards, but we're making these randomly huge plays and big turnovers, which has really helped the numbers for the defense. Um, at some point. I don't know if that's sustainable throughout the course, so that may come back to bite us. But USC is a lot like that. Like, their defense is absolute dog shit, but they have guys making plays, um, and they, they have an unseen amount of turnovers that they've forced that's probably going to go down. When that stops happening, um, I can see them dropping a few games. We may not see USC in the title game. Um, I hope we do, because I think that, that if that – in, a, in my Duke mind, it's like an undefeated SC or a one-loss <laughs> SC, uh, you know, against us. And that's like the first game of the playoff, right? You know, if we can get into the, the title game with one loss against a one-loss or, or undefeated SC, that's that's round one playoffs. And, and so that's kind of like what would be the coolest scenario. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably do a pod in like five weeks when we're when we're four and five and I'll hate, I'll hate everything. So uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> No, this is the toughest game this week. This is the this is the the game. Mm-hmm. This is the toughest game. I there's not I I've been saying it. But who's the scary team in the conference? Oregon State's not scary. I mean, you see Chance Nolan like, you know, kicking the shit out of us. No, maybe it's that's not a matter of scary. Uh, it's just. Stupid Coletto you always guy have a down year. Fucking... There's, there's always I a down week State. that you're going to have at yeah. some point. Oregon State would be yeah. very far down my list of teams. I mean, I would put uh, Oregon's the number one team. Uh, that's all by psychological, far. though. That's but that's psychological. That's in the program. That's in, in yeah. both of those programs. I mean, outside of the two, they beat Oregon. Oregon plays like they're like a flawless game against Washington all the time, all things considered. And I, they, they don't play well against them and it's in their head and they are, they're going to be super greased up for that game. Like that, there also might be a lot riding on that game. Uh, I mean, that's by far for me. Other than that, I'm not really scared of any team, but you have the monkeys on the back, you know, at UCLA on a short week, even though I think UCLA sucks, but they have before at ASU and the win never could win there. Uh, at Cal, who Justin Wilcox is probably going to uh, – they looked – I mean, they blew out Arizona, which doesn't mean much, but it's more than I thought they could have done. So, I mean, there's – I logistically, I would have to think they lose, you know, two maybe if things go right, only one game. Uh, but I, I – they, they have games out there that I'm worried – I'm worried about every single game because, I mean, Stanford <laughs> Michigan State could be really bad. I don't think – there's games you watch, like, it was funny, like, I, I watched the highlights of, like, the Oregon-BYU game, and I was like, every highlight was just the BYU guy, the BYU player in position to make a play who just doesn't make a play, and you're like, well, that's just a, a team that 
sucks or had a bad game, but the way Washington's beaten teams, it's never been like, oh, this team just sucks. It's like Washington clearly has their thing they want to do. They play well and they execute well and they've dominated all these teams. It's never been like, oh, other than maybe Portland State just being such a, you know, a lower conference team, but like it's never felt like they were just playing teams that it was an automatic win. So that, that's why I'm more confident than they're probably not a paper tiger. And um, what should I care about? Um, he points out in his posts that Washington is fourth in the Pac-12 in points allowed at 19, third in yards allowed per game at 302, and we're first in sacks. And he talks about uh, Utah is uh, first in uh, points uh, allowed and yards allowed. So he wants to know what would it take from this team in order to be best in all three of those categories. And I think getting Perryman back and just continuing to improve on the back end, um, and we don't seem to be missing Asa Asa Turner. Um, that would be my thought. Maybe maybe better production out of Hampton. What do you guys think? I don't know the guy. Who was it? Cam Fab was playing. He's pretty fucking soft too. He, he's <laughs> he, he's he's missing some tackles and. I I watched back, I watched back the uh, the Sparty game again over the week, and the the mm-hmm. corners were like in position. They just had like some really shitty ball skills on on a lot of the plays. And then there was a one of the touchdowns on one, on one of the fourth downs, like in the fourth. I think it was a, I think it might have been the first touchdown the Michigan State had. <clears throat> It's a pretty clear uh, offensive pass interference. Like they're one of their receivers runs right into, uh, I think it was Powell. I can't remember who it was. Like he runs right into Powell and like kind of knocks him off the path a little bit. And he was still sort of in position to to make a play. Um, yeah, I know. I I, don't, I think uh, I think whoever's to... playing that that free safety position or whatever is like. Hey guys, I'm hearing racket in the background. If if you guys have a TV on or something, can you shut it off? I don't know where it's coming from, but. (laughs) You sound like a radio host. Hey, (laughs) turn the radio radio down. Is everybody still on the call here? Yeah, I haven't moved. I mean, am I am I hearing things? No, there's definitely a TV on in the background where someone is. Okay, it's gone now. Okay. So I'm sorry, Joey, I interrupted you as you're toward the end of your point there. I just I think there's a, there's reason to be optimistic about the corner play. Uh, I'm still worried about safety play, and I've been pre- I've been pleasantly surprised with. Like Tupatala and uh, mm-hmm. you know the line the linebacker rotation. I've I've been like I, you know I thought I would I thought I would fucking hate the hate all these guys and and I don't yet yet but I don't <laughs> uh, yeah I mean and and we could just we could I mean we could fucking jerk off all day to the pass rush I mean that was some I mean come on. 
I'm, I'm having like fun. I'll be day daydreaming at work tomorrow all day about the pass rush. <laughs> yeah, they look great. Okay, uh, we're going to move on to Hugh Husky here, and uh, the first question is going to trigger Joey, so just a warning everybody here. Um, why right. is the Jaden Mickens 2.0 role with Giles Jackson even a thing? <laughs> Joey, do you want to take that, or do you need a breather? <laughs> I vote no on proposition <laughs> Giles Jackson. <laughs> He just doesn't do it for – I don't get it. It's like he looks like he's trying so hard to run fast, and he doesn't – he can't run that fast. Uh, I don't know. It, he looks I mean, like he'd course, be a star at – I said that yesterday. He made, him, he, made that big, uh, he made that big touchdown yesterday. I said the same thing. I, I oh, did you really? I shit on oh. my, yeah, I shit on my own point. It, I was in another text thread with some friends of ours, and I – I just shit, drizzling shits all over my own point. I just said he sucked, and then, like, literally about 11 seconds later, he he makes that, that screen pass and scoots into the end zone, even though I could have, like, I could have fucking walked my dog, you know, blind through that hole and made it, you know, made a touchdown. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. They, they, I would they like were, to they see were, us maybe – Go ahead. Well, I was saying they were definitely just just feeding him extra. Like they were they were making a point to get him the ball, and yes. I don't know what the bigger the bigger plan is there. Um, when you have so many weapons that we do, uh, like it almost seemed like okay, we're gonna just keep calling his number, calling his number, just to get him going a little bit, just to get a little confidence. Maybe they have something down the line, you know, in store. Maybe it's a decoy. You know, but you know, if if it just seemed like we could have randomly picked, you know, Jalen Polk and had him just, you know, throw bombs to him for three straight plays, and that would have been just the the same kind of concept where like we need to get him the ball. But usually, you want to get, you know, if we had Reggie Williams out there, it's like okay, and he has two catches, and you're in the fourth quarter, you're like maybe we should try to force a couple plays to Reggie Williams. Um, I don't necessarily put Giles Jackson in that same category. So it was a little bizarre, but I, I, I did I did get the sense that they were tinkering a lot with formations and personnel groups. Yes, and uh, and and just once they kind of figured they had the pulse of it, you know, in a in a must win or die kind of game where you felt like they were threatened, we probably would have ran the ball a lot more. We've probably done a lot of things differently, but I just get the sense that they were playing with the playbook a little bit and getting some different looks. And I, I don't really read too much into it. I don't think that Giles Jackson is going to become, you know, that one of those, you know, first option style players, but they definitely did a, a lot of work in his direction to, to, to get him either warm for something or just to get some different looks out there. So I'm, I'm okay with it in a game like yesterday. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, you know, and, and I've never been a big fan of like the Micken slash Chico slash Giles Jackson slash whatever the fuck you want to call it role. Uh, but, but it does have an effective place when you have a guy in there and it is weird. He's a fast guy and he's a shifty guy, but it does not seem like he's moving fast. I, I, it is a funny thing. So you, you gotta imagine the, the coaches know they're in practice. He has to be moving fast. He's a butt returner, but it doesn't, it doesn't appear so. And, and I feel like there's a couple guys who, you know, Tupatala down the sideline actually shocked me with his speed on his big run. Um, you know, that was kind of nice to see. I, I, I didn't think he had that a little extra gear. He had, he pretty much you know outran the guy. Now again, Stanford, but um, 
But, yeah, the Giles Jackson thing, I don't think that's going to be an every week thing. I think they were just playing with something. Yeah, but I was sitting there watching as you know we were watching the game, and I'm thinking, um, you know, it would be a lot better if you were maybe moving some of those targets to Nixon, or uh, and I'm a big Polk fan, but you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like Nixon would be an upgrade from uh, uh, Jackson, and uh, he's got the little afterburner there. Charles Jackson is he just kind of reminds me of uh, I don't even know if you guys will even know this name, but Jay Barry from the early '90s, you know, and he was a running back, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like he was. Uh, Greg Lewis once told me that uh, that 81-yard touchdown run that, that Jay Barry had at Nebraska was the, <laughs> was the slowest 81-yard touchdown in college football history. Uh, he just wasn't so he just wasn't very fast, you know. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I agree with what Douglas is saying that they're tinkering. I got that feeling too. Like they wanted maybe Giles Jackson show he's one of those guys maybe that shows things in practice and then it doesn't translate to game day and they just wanted to give him another chance. I don't know. I have no idea, but uh it just seemed to me that we're underusing Nixon. Um it seems like he there's a little something there that we could be getting more out of him, but so okay, uh so let's uh we're not gonna tackle all of the <laughs> Well, I'm just uh, waiting for if anybody has anything more to say before I go plunging ahead here. But I'm sorry. I got, I got, uh, I got something I could add. Be, be oh, noticed, good. Uh, so do you notice, um, okay, so Nixon, I don't think Nixon played in the Sparty game. I don't think he got a snap. And then I, and then Cam Davis Did he didn't get targeted play yesterday. Lunch? Right. So, but it's funny we, I, there was no like scuttlebutt on any of those two guys not playing. Like we did, we heard I think nothing probably, about Cam Davis. But Hawaii Papa had like 120 yards, so it was like. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I know, but it was it was just funny. Like, like is he not playing? Like, I don't. Yeah, I didn't hear anything on if he's hurt or anything. And then we saw Sam Adams right at the end of the game. Yes. And we haven't seen Aaron carry Dumas for zero one yards. time. I, I fucking forgot about Aaron Dumas until like a few days ago. Like, yeah, he hasn't played one down. Yeah, the, the running back room is like definitely there's like six to seven guys and – Outside of Papa, it just seems to kind of be around Robin, and they're still figuring all that stuff out. And it could just be a whoever flashes in practice that week. It is kind of interesting that, you know, I don't know if Cam, uh, Cam Davis was hurt or not, but, you know, he did have the most carries against Sparty, and then it was just MIA. Um, and so, uh, you know, and it was nice right. to see Newton out there a little bit. Uh, I actually like Newton more than, than, than Nixon um, for my own reasons. I just, I just like how Newton just goes north-south. Um, but, but, uh, but they have different all, all purposes all, it, though, you know? Yeah. 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 It, but there's only so many, there's only, I mean, it's kind of a, once we get a, a legit premier running back, I think it'll change everything. Um, uh, but when you have the passing yes. attack that we have and the quarterback that we have, um, I feel like it's going to be settle into like, you know, Tulipapa is going to get his 15 a night and then you're going to basically split up maybe 10 carries, uh, to the rest of the guys, and then the rest of the stuff's just going to be, you know, catches out of the backfield and, and throwing the ball. Um, especially, you know, that that defensive question. I don't see our defense ever holding, being a top, a number one with with with, with yards because we're just more attacking 
And when you have a, an offense like we do with Penix that can just score immediately, I think that that's the way to go. Force turnovers, put pressure on them, and then try to avalanche them with points on the other end. And uh, I just don't see the running game, even with our O-line, I just don't see the running game until we get a premier running back um, ever taking more more than, than what it can handle. If we face a quarterback that has some mobility and they get the uh, momentum going with the short passing game like Tommy Maddox, UCLA in 1990, um, that could uh, that could spell trouble for us at some point. But I don't I don't know if it'll be this uh, Friday night or not. But uh, um, so let's see. Well, I guess and speaking somewhat to that, Hugh Husky's second question here. We're not going to get to all of his questions here, but uh, we'll try to get three or four of them down. Uh, can the improved defensive line actually stop hypermobile Lamar Jackson 2.0 DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson? <laughs> Um, what do you guys think? In re- just in regards to focusing on the defensive line, um, better go for it. I, I don't, I'm curious. I'm more confident than I usually would be because I, I feel like DTR is. I've talked about it a long time, and like the last ten years, it feels like shitty Pac-12 <laughs> quarterbacks who have no accuracy, who are like mobile, but they aren't like they aren't Lamar Jackson, but they're pretty mobile just destroy uh, Washington. You go back to that, what was that? I can't remember who he was, that Arizona quarterback in 2016 who almost ruined the season, who was just like, uh, there was like that really guy. Really something, Tui Tama. Yeah. Um, no. Wilkin, Troy Williams. No, uh, it was uh, uh, Brandon. Uh, uh, Dawkins. Not Brandon. Brandon Dawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was a backup. He came in for, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matt something. Uh, what the f- no, he, no, he came in. No, that no, he was he was uh, Nick Foles' like backup, but we could beat Nick Foles, but we couldn't beat Matt Scott. Uh, <laughs> it was that. Uh, it was that fucking. Uh, I'll look at him. Just keep keep going. Yeah, but I mean, DTR, which I went to that game at the Rose Bowl in like 2018, where it was like, not that you don't think they'll end up winning by seven or something, but it was like they could absolutely not stop. Dorian Thompson Robinson, and he'd watch him like the next week, and he would be like 11 for 28 with like four interceptions and no <laughs> touchdowns. And you're like, why? Like, trace, yeah. you know, like the semi mobile, the semi mobile quarterbacks who aren't good passers just they kill the Huskies and they never throw interceptions against the Huskies. So that worries me a bit. That's my only real worry about that this game, other than just the like historically not playing at UCLA or just playing UCLA well in general. Mm-hmm. Joey, who is that DTR... quarterback that he always played crappy, the 11 for 28, and then against us he'd be 20 for 25 <laughs> or whatever? You're talking about it, it, Chase Garbers? Yes, Garbers. That's right. <laughs> okay, the uh, the Arizona quarterback, uh, was it was Anu Solomon. Yeah, yeah. And then he got yep. he got hurt. He he got hurt. He got knocked out of that game, and then Brand, that Brandon Dawkins came in, and he was a fucking basically a running back. And they, they had Khalil Tate was like their third stringer, but they brought in that That's Brandon Dawkins. That's the other Dawkins. guy I was thinking of. Okay, Khalil Tate. Oh, in 2019, I thought like, oh god, we got to go down to uh, Arizona and we have to play, you know, Khalil Tate. I, I thought, oh, he's going to break like every quarterback rushing record against Washington because I thought Khalil Tate was 
like the next the next coming of Michael Vick. He was such a good runner, but yes, we pretty much yeah, like he, kicked his fucking ass in the 2019 game. It seemed like just from what I saw, it seemed like he lost confidence the, the last few games I saw him playing. He just something the mojo was gone. Yeah. D- DTR has been balling, been balling this season though. I mean, he's he's looking good, and so this this I think this game for sure will be the biggest test. Um, and the D line at least from I know Tanner McKee is a statue. We're we're closing the distance on the quarterback so much faster. There's so much more speed yeah. out there right now, um, and then our linebackers are are coming in, and we're a lot more aggressive. So. I, I, we'll probably see like a 40-yard touchdown scamper from DTR when we completely miss. It doesn't get home. He makes one guy miss, and then there's just nobody there. And as we saw that on that Stanford touchdown, where I think it was like a steen or something just fell over, and I, I mean it was like the bad news bears on the secondary when that guy just was running through us. Uh, it's not good in the open field out there. But but if we keep them, you know, relatively contained our, we have speed that, that can can make it difficult and i i more so than in previous years i actually like our shot uh, and the fact that i just feel like the staff knows how to game plan it's not going to be a one size fits all on every team and then just pray that we you know we grind it out by the end with the bend don't break i think that they're going to throw some stuff at them that they haven't shown they're going to have spies on them they're going to they're going to make it difficult for them and we have some athletes that, you know, Cam Bright, like you said, he's been moving good to Patala. Um, DCF's come into form. Um, if there was ever a time to chase a fast quarterback, it seems like we're as well-equipped as any uh, going into it. And our players just look uh, so confident. And I think that stems mm-hmm. from just the encouraging environment that that we have uh, going on. So, I mean, look at Jeremiah, Jer, Jer, Jeremiah Martin has looked like shit his entire career from Texas A&M to last season. You know, and he was like this touted four-star, borderline five-star kind of guy. And now it's like you see in the uh, last night and the last couple games, it's it's like, oh, you started to like, oh, that could be a four-star player. That you know, they start, yep. The four-stars are starting to look like four-stars all of a sudden. It's like, oh, that's what coaching can do. Um, so the talent mm-hmm. is there, and the guys, are, the guys are getting belief, and they're getting that confidence. And um, and and that's the most exciting part. It's like, well, why do all our four stars suck? Because our coaching is absolute dog shit. And then now we get uh, some guys who could develop and seem to have a plan and put people in the right spots. They're they're firing. So I I, I I'm I'm doing it, man. I'm excited. <laughs> um, I don't think we will probably spend too much time on this next question from Hugh Husky, but I do think we should address it at least briefly is that he was asking why wasn't Penix pulled earlier from the game, and I do remember it was roughly six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Husky's up 40-15, to 15, and he's still back there taking snaps. And I thought, eh, that's that's Morris time or Heward time uh, at that point. I thought it was curious, too. Yeah. Yeah, pretty... you'd like to see you'd like to see the backup there, but after what we did against you Michigan don't want State, hurt. you know it. Well, you know Shaw's a, a cheeky fucker, and you know, and he's probably gonna <laughs> try to try, try to elongate the elongate the game as much as possible. He even did call a timeout and kind of did that. You know, the, the last thing you want is like a three and out or a pick six by Morris, and then the next thing you know, it's like God damn it, you know. So. Uh, I, I would like to see someone in there, but I get it, especially with all the, I guess the word of the day is tinkering. 
that's all that the the tinkering the offense seemed to be doing, especially in the second half with just some of the the play sets and and play decisions and and, and stuff like that. I just had a feeling they're working out a lot of stuff still, and might as well get some reps. That was like I don't know what the play numbers were, but like the first quarter was fast. That, I think that's yes. why the game yesterday was was so weird. Is it felt like we were kicking their ass, but we were only up ten points, and it was like you know halfway through the second quarter. I'm like Jesus, we've only had the ball three times. And um, it just kind of – I don't know if we if it was a quicker game than normal up to that point, but I just felt like maybe there was a lot of plays that they wanted to get on film and just put out there that they hadn't had a chance to, and, and they probably just needed that extra series to get see some of that stuff. And uh, Sway's question we has to do with uh, – uh, he calls it the boner train, but DeBoer. Uh, but we already kind of addressed that earlier. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Swisher Sweet Boy says, uh, "Please discuss Drone Gate." That was that was curious, and it, it, that ended up I being was, the University of Washington. By the way, that was their drone. It wasn't some I, knucklehead I in. Uh, I didn't hear in, anything in Green about Lake the drone or while I was in the stadium. Oh wow! I, I I don't know if I was like taking my son and his friend up to the bathroom for like the eighth fucking time or if I was getting water for them or I, I heard nothing about I heard nothing about the drone I don't I don't uh, I, well, I, Petros I'm not finished was thinking, re-watching the game so Petros well, thought some knucklehead to... nearby had sent it in there or whatever but it was the U-dubs and they claimed that it went rogue it was like yeah <laughs> I don't buy that. You, they were trying going, to get uh, shot for a going, video. <laughs> are you going Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory on on? <laughs> what do you got? What do me? you got? <laughs> yeah. You talking about me? Yeah. No, my whole thought is they thought they had some creative type that was uh, daydreaming about how they'd get these wonderful shots and make them into these cool videos to post on Twitter or whatever, and. Uh, and then the UW uh, just said that they lost control of it and went rogue, but it didn't like go rogue and go drifting above the stadium or whatever. I, you know, I just don't buy that. I just think that the, like I said, some creative type that had the uh, keys to the uh, machine there was uh, just getting a little too uh, brazen with it or something. So, you know, and they'll probably wait a few weeks and then they'll, you'll see videos of the stadium at night or whatever. And I don't know. You know, the same thing happened at the Seahawks game today, but, yeah, to go. Yeah, if, if, if they had announced uh, over the loudspeaker that you know for the you know beware, there's a drone in the sky. All, all the nerds in Husky Stadium would have thought it was Skynet and started stampeding towards the exits. It would have been a massacre. <laughs> so best, best not announce that uh, on the loudspeaker and, and create a scene. You know, just 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 lay low, let the nerds be nerds, and and everything will will sort itself out. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys will even laugh at this, but uh, uh, back in like the early to mid '80s, when the, the the PA announcer before Gellerman, his name was Wendell Broyles, and whenever there was like some sort of uh, time delay or something, uh, 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 there was no jumbotron back then; it was just a scoreboard. But he would make these announcements that he would say uh, if they had to buy some time because something was going on that they didn't want to announce the actual details to the crowd of why there was a delay, and he would. He would say, with the owner of a blue Toyota parked in, you know, the north parking lot, please, you know, go to your car. Uh, you know, the the engine's running and you've locked your keys in the car or whatever, and everybody would be laughing or whatever. So, 
Um, they would do stuff like that, or he would do stuff like that. So they had a couple videos on the big screen that uh, me and Wooly Duke were laughing at pretty hard. It was it was all about the uh, it was like facts, fun facts about all the all the huskies over the years, and there was mm-hmm. uh, the what I don't even is Wooly Duke even there anymore. Hello? Yeah, I am. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Pen and Teller. He's the teller. (laughs) They had, had, uh, uh, it was like Denali won or something was, uh, in 1959, Denali won was was fired because uh, his fur didn't get nice and fluffy like a traditional husky or something like that. (laughs) And you can hear like a, Basically, the uh, all, all the middle-aged women in the in the crowd like go oh or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like a little gasp and and then it said uh, it said they came uh, from the, the north the upper deck went right? on to, the, yeah, yeah. The, the huskies went on to win the rose bowl forty four to eight against Wisconsin you know and and uh, you know we were like we're like yeah that's what a that's what a big time program does. It even fires the fucking dog. <laughs> but the, but then they they showed another one that said uh, uh, the the only the only season we the only season the Huskies didn't have a mascot was in two thousand and eight. And of course the Huskies finished zero and twelve that season. It was like, why would you put that? On the, why would you even point that out? Just. It's it's in all the record books. Just pretend like it never happened, please. <laughs> but that but that's Ty Willingham. Even even uh, even the husky was in the even our mascot was in the doghouse. You know, he, even the mascot couldn't find the field. Maybe he thought it was a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's let's hammer out a couple more questions and then we'll do the closing comments. Uh, the knowledge says, let's nitpick. I feel UW could have run the ball for 250 yards yesterday. Instead, they chose to keep airing it out and force feed Jackson, which we already kind of addressed. When their biggest advantage was offensive line versus Stanford's defensive line, does this concern you guys? Or are you just happy to be scoring 40 points a game? Just to be clear, I'm pretty stoked to be scoring 40 points a game. Um, uh, I, I like the balance. If you have the ability to have balance, you don't. I don't think you need to try to just uh, turn so conservative, you know. And I think if Stanford would start bringing the safety up, if we were just abandoning the throw, you got one of the best quarterbacks in college football. There's no need to uh, put the the crimp on that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fine. I, I think there's. I, I mean, they obviously were having to do that's running the ball. I remember last year. Stanford was like the worst team in the Pac-12 stopping the run, so I think they might they might just be more about to Stanford being really bad at it, and they don't really feel like they maybe they wanted to put other stuff on tape and not just have them running the ball, even though they knew they could have probably won by the same amount doing that or maybe even more. Okay, and pretty, uh, pretty funny. Oh, pretty, oh, I was gonna say. Pretty funny. We've got the uh, the nation's leading passer, and and we're not we're not running an air raid offense. 
you know, where <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like a quasi. I'd almost call it, call it like a quasi balanced offense because um, every run every run they do is it's not like uh, oh we have to run in this situation like it like it's a little cerebral you know running running attack and you know they're mm-hmm. they're running like probably thirty five to forty percent I mean they're still they're still doing you know twenty five carries a game it's not. Not fucking we need to Lee. do that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it, they they run with a purpose. It's not like Mike Leach where he's like, you know, hey, I'm gonna run it. I'm gonna run it. You know, maybe nine times today, maybe. You know, and, and I, I just hate running the football. You know, and it's, you know, it, it's still part of the game. And and uh, you know, Boner and Grub still still respect that part of the game. So. Yeah. I'm yeah. hearing TV again, a racket. Can we, whoever's doing that, can you please turn it down? Unless it's something else that's, uh, you know, interjecting into our feed or something. I don't think... But don't somebody was about ready to make a comment. Uh, was that me? Yeah. The, uh, the thing that I think has been said before, the thing is, is uh, you know, Zabor is running the offense that Peterson thought he was running, right? When when you have the, uh, the 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 shifts and just how we're like you said it's a cerebral offense we seem to be a step ahead but we're not like outthinking ourselves like they think we're going to run here so we're not going to run here so we're actually going to mm-hmm. run here you know it's like you know it's like it's not we're not just running into a wall we're we're choosing different gaps um, and o- overall I think it's 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 looking it's looking pretty good and 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 as as Peterson used to say it's looking very multiple you know we we want to be multiple on offense and so it's looking like anyone can get the ball and uh we're not just going to just you know run it right up center's ass actually move it around a little bit so i'm okay with the play calls uh, i do know that against michigan state we probably could have bled out that fourth quarter we had a really shitty drive the shittiest drive of the year was against michigan state when they were making their comeback and we did a three and out where we didn't like we took off maybe twenty seconds because we threw through, and it was just you know it was it was not good. Um, so that's the only danger. But then when you when you're hitting your passes, it doesn't really matter. So um, I, I'm okay with with how they decided to play it. Okay, so final question, and then we're gonna call it a night. Seafeder's Nacho Lover, uh, he posted this just uh, oh I guess it was about 25 minutes ago. He said, "If you're still potting and haven't gotten to the questions yet, I'd like to know if there's been an improvement to the nacho concessions." Thanks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Joey. <laughs> um, yeah, a person. Bully, in our bully party my building yesterday got. It was okay. I, I think he. I, I think he could. Yeah, because. Uh, they're he not a nacho. Some okay, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I know. I know but somebody. I like, somebody in our group got a nacho. I know that. I like fake liquid cheese nachos. <laughs> they just need more cheese. <laughs> That's my assessment. So I don't think they're improved, but I think they're they're steady. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. Um, big big Friday night game. Uh, but something to, I think the anticipation is going to really be building up uh, this week and uh, should be a lot of fun. So great talking That's to you guys, sure. and uh, we'll right. talk again uh, soon. Bye. All right, good. Have a good.
Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to read that one, but...